Well, good morning. You know what I love? I love it when the light of Jesus shines in unexpected places. I learned this week of an astronaut named Mike Good, and he's currently orbiting our planet on the International Space Station. And there is a practice that NASA has where they highlight an astronaut of the day and uh, someone from Earth uh, selects a wake-up song for them. And uh, this week, uh, his wake-up song was Shine by Matt Redman, which talks about how God shines like stars in the universe. And it was just really cool to hear the glory of Christ proclaimed through NASA TV. Pretty unexpected. And I love that. You know why we respond to that? We respond to that because we are made to shine the light of Christ. That's what God has has made us for. His image has been broken, but it's restored through Jesus. And when we come to Christ, we, we enter back into what we were made to do. We were made to shine His light. Is that what you want? Do you want to shine the light of Christ through your life? Would you like at the end of your life that there would be others impacted even after you're gone because of the legacy of faith that you've left behind? You long for that? Pray for that? Look for that? We have been made to shine the light of Christ. And we're going to turn our attention to a passage where we're going to discover three good works of God. Where we, we find the rationale and the reason why God has made us this way. I'd like for you to be with me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And for, for our time, I'd like for you to actually have a Bible in front of you. We have printed Bibles in the back on the back wall. If you have a mobile device that has a Bible app, I'd like for you to take it out. There's going to be some things that I'm going to ask you to highlight and circle, but please don't do that on your mobile device. <laughs> but we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through this passage in a similar way that I study it. In fact, the way that I, I, I prepared for, for this time. And so hopefully that will help you in your own study of God's word. And we will discover together these three good works of God for us. Let me start with verse 1 of chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, one says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Anytime you see the word therefore, it is linked to the previous Context In this case, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, having this ministry. If we were to read chapter 3, you would find that there is the word ministry there. It says ministry of righteousness, and it says ministers. So that idea is from chapter 3 that's carrying over. But what is this ministry that Paul's talking about? Well, let me summarize for you. In chapter 3, Paul is talking about the promised way God has chosen to interact with his people. There was an old promise called the Old Covenant. And now through Jesus, there's a new promise or a new covenant. In the Old Covenant, God came near his people. When Moses was led by God to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, they were instructed to make a mobile house of worship. It was a tent called the tabernacle. In that tent was a special room called the Holy of Holies that was separated from the people by a curtain or a veil. 
The presence of God drew near his people. So with the old covenant, God came near. Say it with me. God came near. God came near his people. His presence would dwell with them. And they were given a list of regulations called the law. We're familiar with the Ten Commandments. But there were over 400 other commands given to the people that would demonstrate perfect holiness before God. And the expectation was what they would, they would live that out. Every generation disobeyed. Every generation fell short. There was a sacrificial system of, of, of confession that they could remain in a relationship with God. But when God came near and the people failed to follow his regulations, his spirit with them was conditional. When God placed his spirit on a king or a prophet, it was conditional upon their obedience. If they were disobedient, God would remove his spirit from them. That's the old covenant. Be holy and I remain with you. I am near. New covenant. People could not follow the regulations. So God, because of his great love and mercy, sent his only son to fulfill every single regulation of the law. Jesus fulfilled everything 100%. He alone could do that and he alone did it. He is perfect. To break one law is to fall under God's judgment forever. That's not very good news, is it? To dishonor your parents, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to take God's name in vain. Any one of those, to break one of those, means that you stand under the righteous wrath of a holy God. And that means we're all out. Except for Jesus. And he satisfied every single bit of the law, and then he did the unexpected. He gave his life for us. He died in our place. The only person who was not deserving of death gave up his rights and died for us. See, God promised a new way to relate to his people. And it is by faith in Jesus Christ that we enter into a new relationship with God that results in us receiving his spirit. Because in the new covenant, repeat after me, God came in. God came in. God came in. That's what's new. And because it is sealed and anchored in Jesus and what he did for us, it is an unconditional relationship. God remains with us. He remains with his people. That's the ministry we have to tell people this good news that that God no longer has just come near and has a list of regulations for us to follow in his holiness. He has made us holy because of Jesus. Now God remains with you and it doesn't depend on your merit, your obedience. God chooses to remain. That's the good news of the new covenant. The idea of ministry is an act of service. It's an act of service to tell people that you don't have to earn anything with God. Jesus has done it all. It's by God's mercy, it says, therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Circle or underline the idea of lose heart. This is one word in the original language that means spiritless. The idea of loose heart means spiritless or to become discouraged or exhausted. A follower of Jesus Christ does not have to become spiritless because we have been spirit filled. He has given us the antidote to our problem. 
If you sit in here today discouraged, distraught, disappointed, exhausted, worn out, how do you get out of that funk? It's by remembering the work of Jesus that has been done for you. To be reminded that there's nothing that you have to earn with God. Jesus has done it for you and God is pleased with you and he remains with you and he is with you no matter what you're facing or what you're going through. You see, the first work of God we have from this passage is that we no longer lose heart because by faith you have the light of Christ. You have it. It's yours. You are in a different place. You once were under an old covenant of condemnation and regulation, but now you're in a place of freedom. The end of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that we have the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You have the light of Christ. And as this passage continues, those who have the light of Christ must live a certain kind of life, an authentic life. Verse 2a says, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. When I study a passage, I look for words that are repeated frequently, and I also look for words that are rare. As I looked at this, I came across this whole idea of we have renounced. It's found only in this passage, only here in the New Testament. It's used one time. That means it's important. And here's what this means. It's written in such a way that the one who had made the decision, the person who has renounced, did it to a personal benefit. That's how the word in Greek is written. That the decider reaps the benefit of the decision. Let me illustrate. You brought caramel pretzel crunch to your small group. Let's hear an amen for caramel pretzel crunch. (laughs) You made a decision to buy it. You carried it with you and you benefit because you get to eat it. He says that we have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. And that that reaps a benefit for the person who has the light of Christ. Now, many people... How many of you grew up in an environment where your religious experience was expressed by what you did not do? It's about not doing stuff. Don't watch it. Don't drink it. Don't wear it. Don't smell it. Don't do anything with it. Don't touch it because then God will be pleased with you. If you just stay away from all that stuff, y'all. It's true that when we bear the image of Christ and we shine his light... There are things that need to be renounced, a once and for all decision, a a turning away from the way of the world to a new way of living that we are called into. There are things that must be renounced. To To renounce means to forbid, to send away. We forbid adultery. We forbid pornography. We forbid cheating. We forbid lying. There's a thing that we're not going to do anymore. We've driven a stake in the ground because we have been made new by Jesus and we're going to go the other way. We must say no to brighten the light of Christ from our lives. Now, Paul says that we have renounced some things. He also says we refuse. This is a, this is a continual practice. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Are there people that are abusing their platform by twisting God's word today? Does that happen? Are there people confused by God's word today? Paul says we 
We, can, we refuse this. There are things that we renounce once and for all. There are things that we continue to say no to. The things, maybe there are temptations that we face that we go, no, this is not what we're going to do. But it's not to earn some greater level of righteousness. That's been done. It's because we want to shine the light of Christ brightly. Going on in verse 2, it says this, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Admittedly, this statement is kind of hard to understand. It's, we don't usually talk this way. But here's what it means. It says, by the open statement of truth, Paul is saying our lives are authentic. The way we're trying to practice what we preach is consistent. Does that matter? That you practice what you preach? Matters, right? Paul says we commend ourselves. This means to stand together and to present or to demonstrate. It's one of the most important themes in this entire book because it shows up in chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 10, twice, and chapter 12. Paul is saying we don't commend ourselves. We commend a consistent and authentic faith in Jesus. We present Him together. That way people know that our message is real. We reject underhanded ways. We refuse to twist and tamper with God's word. And we present a consistent message of Christ alone through our lives. There are people who need to see the light of Christ shown through you. Those who do not have Jesus remain in darkness. Verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. What was separating the people of God in the old covenant from God's presence? What was it? What was it? A veil, a curtain. Did you know that even though Jesus Christ has come, there still is a veil over the hearts of people. Between them and a holy God. And the only thing that tears that veil apart is the gospel message that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead. That message and a life consistent with it is what shines through the veil. But I found something I didn't expect in this passage. And to be honest, this was the thing for me that kind of shook me up. It says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. I expected it to say who will perish. This is a present active tense. This means that people are dying even while they live. There is a reality. That people are dying even as they live. When you have neighbors who do not know Jesus and you see them mowing the yard, do you see them as perishing? Do you see people in the process of decay? We don't behave... To earn anything greater with God. We have everything that we will ever receive. Through Jesus. We 
live an authentic life so that the light of Christ would be beamed to those who remain in darkness and are in the process of dying, even though they're shopping at Hy-Vee. That is the mindset we take with us as followers of Jesus. When we go to our workplaces, when we go to our schools, when we are around family reunions, it's the mindset to look at these people with compassion. Do you change the way you live when you have someone close to you who's in the process of dying? Answer, yes. You slow down. You show up. You you have this urgency to meet a need. Why? Because their time is short. They're about to pass away. And so it changes the way you live. Our problem is, is that we can't see the decay. Their problem is, is sometimes they don't see the light that we have. But they truly are the walking dead. (laughs) Maybe the reason why zombies are such a popular thing in pop culture is it speaks to the true condition of the human heart. That and they eat brains and that's kind of cool. See, there's something that works against these people. And it is our enemy, the devil. Verse 4, in their case, the God of this world, the meaning of that phrase is the devil or Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. He's blinded them to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is our enemy's end game. He wants to keep people from seeing Jesus. Satan has great theology. He knows the Bible. He knows that we have the light of Christ for those who have proclaimed faith. He knows he can't infiltrate that. He can't change that. He can't break that. But what can he do? He can blind us from our purpose. He can place things in front of us to tempt and take our eyes off of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to move to temporary things and to be caught up in the stress and the worry and the anxiety of common everyday things. He can do that. He loves to do that. He is also after as many people as he can to drag to hell with him. A lot of people have this idea that Satan has got this crown and a pitchfork and that he's somewhere in hell. No, he's active and loose on the earth. He knows what his destination will be someday. He's not the king of anything. Except darkness in this world. When the people of God do not look like the people of God, the light of Christ is diminished. And you play right into the end game of the enemy. We do not say no to things to reject, to earn anything with God. We do not say yes to things to pursue, to earn anything with God. We say no and we say yes to live and present an authentic faith so that the light of Christ would shine from our lives and people's veils could be ripped apart and they could come to Jesus. Underline in your Bibles the image of God. Second Corinthians chapter 4 is an important verse because it helps us understand the true identity of Jesus Christ. The image of God means he is God. He is God. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God made of three persons. Jesus is equal 
to the Spirit and to the Father. He's not just a historical figure. He's not just a good rabbinical teacher. He is the living God who who gave up His throne temporarily to come into our place and to die for us and provide a way of salvation for us through Him. And now He has taken up His throne again. And He's coming back. And He has given us a mission to help people find and follow Him. Listen to the words that that Jesus himself gave the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is the one writing this letter. There was a time in Paul's life where he went by his Hebrew name, Saul. And at that time, Saul did not know Jesus. He did not love Jesus. He did not want Jesus anywhere in his nation. And so he worked with all of his energy to destroy the church that had just been born. And he was on his way from Jerusalem to a town called Damascus to do more of that destruction. When Jesus confronted him and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then in Acts 26, we get the full account of what Jesus actually said to him. Listen to the instruction Paul has given and link it to this passage, which we've studied. And it says this. Jesus says, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith In me. There's our mission. To go out in his name. To be witnesses for Jesus. To be reminded of every day. I need the gospel. I need the good news that I have been set free from the things of this world. And that I can demonstrate his light to others. He releases his light through his people. When we walk consistently to our faith and we have the willingness to share our lives with people. He says that they will find a place among those who are sanctified. To be sanctified means to be made holy. You, you tried to be holy in the old covenant, but Christ has now made you holy. There's a new place that people can be brought into if you live out and share your faith authentically. This truth comes to the second work of God that by grace you are the light of Christ. By faith you have it. By grace you can be used. Even you can be used to shine his light because you are the light of Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And in Matthew 5 he said, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Because he has taken up his residence in us when God came in. You may have known this truth when you came in. Yes, I have a relationship with God through Christ. Yes, my purpose on earth is I should let people know about him. But when people come and talk with a pastor, one of the things, or when they come and talk with me, one of the things that I find most common is that people begin to doubt and to question their worth to God. Because 
We are all broken. Here's the thing about every single one of us. One of the common brokenness that I, that I interact with is people have a different relationship with God than I do. I just think that's true. I just think that they just, other people understand him better than me. And I just think God must talk to them more than he talks to me. Some people go, God has allowed a lot of hurtful stuff in my life. And I think he's trying to make me learn a lesson that, that I guess I just haven't learned it yet. And so he's just going to continue to hurt me. Pick an area of brokenness. We can easily doubt and question that God will do anything through us because I look around me and I, I see people who they, they really appear to have it much more together than I do. I don't know that God would use me. I don't trust God anymore. I was disappointed by someone I chose to love and they didn't love me back and they betrayed me and now I'm left in this life alone. You guys ever feel broken? You feel like you ever get distracted from the truth that God has given you his light by faith and that the purpose of your life is to be the light of Christ. We look at our brokenness and our failures. We begin to question. I don't know that I have really what it takes. But what did Paul say that they commended themselves for? He said, by open statement of the truth. The light of Christ shines through broken people. It's normal to be broken. And by design, we are made to shine brighter together. We are made to shine the light of Christ brighter together. When people walk together, this is, this is a small group. Having a group of godly, life-giving friends enables you, reminds you, encourages you to live for Jesus. It's not about you. We're all broken. It is only about the work of Jesus who continues to shine bright even though his people are broken and flawed. Look at verse 5 and 6. Paul makes this crystal clear. He says, For what we proclaim, what we present, is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That word servants ties back to the idea of having this ministry, this work of service to shine the light of Christ. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's true that there are things that we are allowed to face in this life that are painful and hard. 
That God is not trying to get you to finally learn something. We're told that when we face hardship and suffering that we receive the comfort of God. Why? So that we can demonstrate His comfort to others when they go through the very same thing. To shine His light. There's nothing wrong with Jesus and you have Him by faith. And when you live out an authentic life, you shine His light. But by God's design, we shine brighter together. A whole bunch of glow sticks shines brighter than one glow stick. We talk about groups a lot. You might get nauseated we talk about groups so much. But we are convinced that the name of Jesus is at stake. And without godly relationships and friendships to, to encourage us and to embolden us, we will struggle to demonstrate him well. We want to link hands and lives together so that we can commend ourselves with Jesus at the forefront. We can help you find a group of friends. We have women that gather around table groups for Bible studies. We have, we have men's groups. We have groups on Tuesday night where you can come around specific areas of life, divorce care and grief share, where you can unpack the pain with other people. It's why we are, we are launching a six week message series that begins next week. We're going to talk about how we can truly find freedom and walk in freedom in the key areas of our life where we can get unstuck. And what we're asking you is to join up, link arms for six weeks. That perhaps you might come out of that with a friend or three or an entire group of light bearers who are broken yet love Jesus and want to follow him too. You do not pray out loud in a small group unless you are asked to do that, invited to do that. You do not read out loud unless invited to do that. And you say, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Things aren't weird it's just people meeting together, talking about God, being guided by the teaching that's presented from God's word through this church. The people in the group are not more, they're no more as weird as you are. You can do this. You can be a part of a group for just six weeks. We're talking September to October, half a football season. This weekend, there are people who are still starting groups. And if you want to do that, we'll help you start. We have everything you need today. All the packets you will need, the DVD that you'll need. All you do is gather up some people, press play. If you would like to engage a group, we have groups that are open. We can connect you to. Okay? We want to help you do that. But the point is, is that we would find godly friendships that we can present one common message together. Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is the point. Let's shine his light together. Would you pray with me?
Lord Jesus, we ask that you would shine brightly through us. Lord, we pray that you would surface within our hearts the very things we must renounce for the benefit of shining your name in your light. Lord, help us to have the right perspective of people around us, that they are in the process of losing their very soul. And Lord, may we take Jesus to unexpected places, to where we work, to where we shop, to where we live, so that the light of Christ would open the eyes of people and move them from darkness to light. Lord, we pray that you would help groups form and relationships form where people can find encouragement, strength, perspective. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.